Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I D O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. What's going on, guys? Hope you're having a great day. We got another awesome show for you. We welcome back 
Dr. David Lay, who came on the show super early on in I Do yeah. Podcast. I think it's been maybe five years now. I think it was yeah, right toward yeah. the beginning after we took our little hiatus. Right when we started again, we interviewed him. So that was a good four or five years ago now. The Stella hiatus when our daughter was born. <laughs> Exactly. Um, Well, Dr. David Lay is a psychologist and sex therapist who has appeared in the New York Times, on The Daily Show, and even Playboy magazine, as well as publishing numerous books and research articles on sexual issues. And today we talk about sex, obviously, with Dr. Lay, and we talk about ways to meet our partner's sexual ideals and also identify our own ideals as part of this process. And Dr. Lay gave us a lot of great information, not only with conversations around sex, but ways that we can have these conversations around communication, chores at the house, um, you name it. So a lot of great tools to apply to your relationship around sexuality and sexual ideals, but even other things as well. Yeah. And I I think the biggest thing I took away from this is, uh, and he kind of ends it, wraps it up with it, is a a really acceptance of your partner and their sexuality and how important it is to communicate your needs with your partner and to be open and not judgmental um, of your partner's sexual desires. So I think it's a a really important takeaway from the show. But of course, you should listen to the whole thing because there's a lot of great takeaways from today's show. So as always, thank you so much for listening to the show, for sharing with your friends and family. And uh, if you would like to support the podcast, there is a link in the show notes, takes you to our Glow podcast listener support page where you can donate to the show. It just helps us produce the podcast and keep giving you guys this free content. So thank you guys so much. And we hope you enjoy today's show. Before we jump into today's interview, we want to tell you about our online course, Spark My Relationship. Do you guys want to create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days? Yes. Sign me up. (laughs) Then you guys need to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. It is an online course, like I mentioned, that we created with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you guys the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. We talk about it on the show. Relationships take work. Sometimes they function pretty easily and you coast along. But we've found the reality is, is you have to do work sometimes and to make them better, to change them so that they're more satisfying for both partners. And you've made it here. You've made it to listening to our show. So you guys probably already know that a little bit. But what you might not know are the specific tools and exercises that you need to create those lasting and positive improvements in your relationship. And like Chase said, change does not happen on its own. It takes hard work. And that's why we created the course. Spark One Relationship is designed to infuse your life and relationship with fresh passion, skills, and wisdom. And it's a self-paced journey that's perfect for turning up the heat, having some fun together, and revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. 
And just some tools and strategies that the course includes is to how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve your stress management, learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper and more intimate bond, and strengthen your couple microculture, which you will find out what that is. Uh, in the future together. So for our listeners only, we're offering a special of $100 off the course. Visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to unlock your discount. And there is a 30-day money-back guarantee. So there really is no reason to not give it a try. So go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock for $100 off. David, thanks for joining us back on the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Today, we're going to talk about how to negotiate with our partner around sex. And we all have an idea of what our ideal sex life will look like. And oftentimes, those expectations are not met either because they're unrealistic or any number of issues. So there's a lot to dissect here. So why don't we dive in and have you talk about some of the issues and some of the research you're seeing around conflicts with partners and not having their ideal idea of sex met in relationship? Well, you know, it's an unfortunate reality that when we are sexually unsatisfied in a relationship, that that sexual dissatisfaction contributes about 60% of the variance in our dissatisfaction with the relationship in general. So being sexually dissatisfied disproportionately impacts our happiness in the relationship overall. Now, the, the flip side of the coin is where things get really kind of mean is that being sexually satisfied in a relationship um, contributes only about 20% to our relationship satisfaction. So unfortunately, the, the, the side of the, of the scales are weighted very heavily for dissatisfaction, that when we are sexually unhappy, when we don't feel like our partner is meeting our needs, it really makes it hard for us to be happy in the relationship. And so these researchers, um, led by a psychologist colleague of mine named Rhonda Balzarini, did this really remarkable research where they looked at, you know, what are the things that might mitigate it when we are sexually unsatisfied in a relationship? And they looked at the at kind of the concept of sexual ideals. So. You know, we, we all have um, kind of an idea of what sort of sex um, or sex partner we really would like. And um, in contrast, you know, to what you said a moment ago, I don't think actually most people have sat down and thought about that very much. I don't think that they have really um, considered uh how their sexual ideals, how their sexual preferences um, work for themselves, it's, it's kind of unconscious. And one of the things that I do a lot with couples and, and patients is to invite them to think about sexuality when they're not turned on, to think about, um, you know, the best kind of sex they've ever had, to think about their sexual fantasies, um, to really understand themselves as a sexual being. Um, And then we can explore, okay, in your current relationship, 
how is that met or not? Um, the un- unfortunately, our society for a very long time has kind of minimized sexual needs. We 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 basically. T- teach people that, well, if you're in a happy relationship and your partner treats you good and they, you know, they put food on the table and, um, and they don't beat you, right. That, that you should be happy. The fact that you're not having the kind of sex that you really want to have. Well, that's just not, not, not that big a deal. Sex is kind of optional, but what research finds again, as I said, is that being sexually unsatisfied really makes people unhappy in life and, and relationships. So what Balzarini and her and her colleagues did was looked at this concept and said, OK, if we are in a relationship with somebody who doesn't meet our sexual ideals, for instance, maybe they don't like to give oral sex as much as we might like to to receive it. Or maybe they don't have a body type that we really are, are super attracted to. Um, how do we how do we manage that? Because we do. We fall in love and we we get in relationships with people who don't necessarily meet our sexual ideals. So is there a way to mitigate how much that kind of conflict impacts the relationship? And and Balzarini and her colleagues did some really remarkable research that dug into this and um, and gave us some ideas. And obviously, there's a lot to unpack here, and we want to dive into that research. But first, you mentioned how you work with clients to understand their own sexual ideals. And I'm sure that's a whole process, and maybe you can share a little bit more. But I'm thinking it's like we have an idea of what we want, but sometimes that's not what will really it's not really what we want, if that makes sense, because sexuality and and we're so complicated to begin with. We have ideas of of what it should be based on culture, pornography. And so we might be like, yeah, I want this and this, but it's not really what we want. So how how do you dive into that with your clients, maybe in a little bit more detail? Well, you know, a lot of times I start the conversation by asking, um, you know, what kind of food do you like? Right. Do you like salty food or sweet food? You know, do you like do you like rich carbohydrate, you know, um, laden food or, or do you prefer kind of a good salad? Right. And then I ask him, well, how did you end up as a person that likes that sort of food? Well, a lot of times when we when we really kind of think about it, we we just kind of gravitated towards that. Maybe we made some conscious choices about trying to be healthy, right? But even even within those conscious choices, there are some things we like, like maybe you know, some people like kale and other people don't. I mean, I, I hate Brussels sprouts. If you come at, with, come at me with a Brussels sprout, I'm going <laughs> to throw it across the room. Why don't I like Brussels sprouts? I don't know. Something about, you know, my body and my taste, it just, it, 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 it just doesn't work for me. But we never sit down and think about sexuality in that same way. I agree with you that there are some things that we might want sexually that we choose consciously not to pursue. The problem is when we shame ourselves or we shame other people for having that sexual desire, maybe for homosexual sex, maybe for kinky sex, maybe for more sex than the other one um, that our partner really wants. 
the the challenge is when we treat that conflict as though it means there's something wrong with you. If you don't if you don't like the same kind of food I like, I don't think that you're broken. I don't think that you're 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 deficient. I don't think that you're immoral. But if you if you want a kind of sex that maybe I don't want, a lot of times people do judge other people. So I invite people to start thinking about it in those kinds of ways, because the reality is we actually don't know why or how any of us end up with a certain kind of sexual desire or not. Um, it kind of like taste for sweets or salty foods. It just sort of happens. It's a combination of our biology, our genetics, our environment growing up. And there's a tiny bit of conscious choice in there, but not as much as we would really like. So those are the ways I start these conversations, inviting people, giving people permission to have these sexual desires. I mean, the research shows that about 50% of people have a sexual desire or fantasy that we used to think was unhealthy or abnormal. And they kept it secret just because they knew that therapists or doctors or their lovers or wives or husbands would think that there was something wrong with them if they shared it. You know, and maybe that was a fantasy for exhibitionism or Fifty Shades of Grey kind of behaviors. Um, but they kept it secret because they thought there was something wrong with them for having it. Now what we find out is that, you know, 50% of people are not wrong. Um, and, and, and in fact, that these sexual variations are just kind of the, the wide spectrum of human sexuality working out in each other. And the more we can accept that in ourselves now the 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 less we shame ourselves and the less likely we are to be shamed by others when we accept that in ourselves without judgment so yeah those are the ways i start these conversations with people just to just to develop that acceptance within themselves and i use the concept of sexual integrity which means that you have done some analysis of yourself to think about what you like sexually, what you want sexually, and how you feel about that. How you how, Can you accept those desires in yourself? The more we can treat our sexual desires with dignity, the more dignity we receive from others when we start to express or share them with our partner. Before we continue on, we want to tell you about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Trivia Star. Do you and your partner want to keep your mind sharp and have some fun? If trivia keeps you on your toes and entertained, then you need to check out Trivia Star. It's a great way to test yourself and have some fun. Trivia Star is a free mobile quiz game that has been entertaining and challenging for us to play, especially right now when we are spending a lot more time indoors and doing less activities. You can choose from categories like music, sports, movies, TV animals, and celebrities, and there are over 60 different categories to choose from. So there's always more trivia to explore. If you choose a correct answer from the multiple choices and beat the clock, you move on to the next level. And the questions get harder over time. But if you get stuck, don't worry. You can use coins and gems to get a hint and beat the level. And I've been using plenty of those to help me beat the levels. Cheating maybe a little bit, but it's part of the game. (laughs) You don't know the answers? 
Um, most of the time I do, but occasionally I use, I use my gems and coins and <laughs> Trivia Star has 2,000 five-star reviews in the Apple Store. So right now, Trivia Star is offering you 2,500 coins and 500 gems when you download and play. Just go to the Apple or the Google Store and search for Trivia Star. Again, search Trivia Star and enjoy 2,500 coins and 500 gems. Download Trivia Star for free today. Your voice matters. My voice matters. And every eligible voter has the right to make their voice matter. I was lucky enough to vote in my first presidential election the year I turned 18, and I haven't missed a presidential election yet because I know how lucky I am that I'm able to exercise my right to vote. But not everyone can say the same. Unfortunately, there are many African Americans, Latino Americans, Native Americans, Asian Americans, young people, and people with disabilities that are being prevented from exercising their right to share their vision of America whether it's making it harder for them to register to vote, closing polling places, or rejecting lawful ballots, we need to make sure that every eligible voter who wants to vote can vote. And your vote can help make that difference. You don't have to wait until November 3rd to cast your ballot. Be an October voter. In most states, you can vote early in October. Request your mail ballot. Return your completed ballot in the mail or in person, or vote early at an early voting location. There's no time to waste. Treat every day like Election Day to make sure all voices are heard. Make a plan to vote. Be an October voter. Visit andstilliVote.org to join the fight for voting rights today. Again, that's andstilliVote.org to join the fight for voting rights today. Paid for by the Leadership Conference Education Fund. Now, are these conversations that you're starting with people, is it generally couples or is it individuals? And if it's individuals, how do they then bring, you know, those questions and that dialogue into their relationship with their partner to, I guess, start that exploration process? Yeah, so I work with both. Um, I don't work with high conflict couples because I know myself and high levels of conflict in my office just makes me want to hide under my desk. Um, so when I work with couples, they, they tend to be couples, you know, who are a little higher functioning and, you know, they're, they're, they're looking to try and negotiate, um, ways or, uh, around these issues to, to improve their sexual connections. Um, with, with individuals, um, I do a lot of this and, and I use a variety of kind of strategies. I use, there are some assessment measures that I use. I have a, um, sexual values uh, test that I use, which um, helps people to really start to drill down and think about what are my priorities? What are the things that in sex that I really value and think are important? What are the things that um, uh, make sex better or worse for me? The, the, the important thing is that we think about these things when we're not turned on. Because it's a funny thing about human biology and, and sexuality is that when we are turned on, we're more impulsive and we use less judgment. We are more likely to do things when we're turned on than we are um, when we're not turned on. 
you know, that, that sex kind of gives us, you know, sex goggles, um, kind of like beer goggles, where when we're turned on, we're more likely to have a kind of kinky sex or maybe have sex with somebody that we don't really like or that we wouldn't have sex with when we're not horny. Those, But what that means is then that we need to think about our sexuality and our sexual desires and interests and our sexual behaviors when we're not turned on, because that's when we can now use sort of good judgment and good rational thinking to think about how do I want to integrate those ideas about sex into my identity? How do I feel about them? Say, you know, there is some sexual desire that I have, maybe being spanked, that um, I feel really ashamed of, that I never want to tell a partner about. Well, why do I feel ashamed about that? Where does that come from? Does it, is it because I, you know, I don't want to be submissive? Is it because I'm worried that a person might hit me too hard and hurt me? Um, When we start now to think about those kinds of issues is where we now get to unpack. And that's where we we start to now develop a way where we could say to our partner, look, hey, I'd kind of like you to spank me when we, you know, when when we have sex, but um, uh, I don't want you to hit me too hard. And I want to make sure before you spank me that um, you still love me, that you're not thinking that I am some bad, awful person because I want you to spank me. You know, I don't actually want you to hit me in real life. This is just a kinky kind of sex thing that, that I think would be fun. Are you okay with that? So that's how we take this personal insight and now start to communicate it and share it with our partner. So once we've worked on developing that personal insight, and there's a lot there, and I'm sure that's that's an ongoing process as well, how can we, and you're alluding to it now uh, with that example you just gave, but how can we start to communicate with our partner what it is that our ideal sex would look like. And then if there's a mismatch there, which there probably often is, how can we navigate that? Yeah. And, and that's the thing that the Balzarini in this research um, uh, really explored. They, they said, look, you know, um, across a lifetime of, of relationship, we are going to be in situations where we have a mismatch, where I want a kind of sex that my partner doesn't, um, or um, uh, th- there's some other kind of um, overlap. You know, maybe our bodies change. Um, maybe we have health issues that make it more difficult for us to have the kind of sex that we might want to have, etc. And and so that how do, how do we mitigate that when 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 we no longer really match? our partner. And they, what, what was neat about this study was that um, they did not look at just heterosexual male-female couples. They, um, and instead, they looked at a range of couples, LGBT couples. They looked at people in open relationships. They looked at you know, uh, people across the racial and ethnic kind of spectrum and, and included a lot of different kinds of folks in this. So, so the neat thing about this then is that this is an issue that works sort of for everybody, not just heterosexual religious married couples, which unfortunately a lot of um, kind of classic uh, marital therapy research w- it was looking at. So how do we apply it to other people? What 
what Balzarini and her colleagues found um, was this concept of sexual communion. And um, it, it, it really is a very powerful sort of concept. And the idea of sexual communion is I get something positive. I get a warm, fuzzy feeling out of you, my partner, being sexually fulfilled. I get happiness out of the idea of you getting the kind of sex that you that, that you want or, or, or really would make you feel good. Even if you can't have that kind of sex, say we are in a heterosexual relationship, but you're bisexual and I you you want sex with, with somebody that doesn't have the same kind of genitalia that I do, but we've agreed to be monogamous. That is a really challenging kind of relationship dynamic. And in fact, research with couples like that, where one partner is bisexual and the other is heterosexual, um, has found that when the heterosexual partner does not accept their, their bisexual partner's sexuality, that it increases risk of depression, anxiety, and suicide. But when the heterosexual partner accepts their partner's bisexuality, even if, even if they're not acting on it, but we don't judge our partner for it, that that improves both the relationship outcome and the, the mental health of the bisexual person. The same thing is what, what Balzarini and her colleagues found here is that when I accept my partner's sexuality, when I think about ways that it would feel good for you to be able to explore that sexuality, um, when I lo no longer judge you for having a sexual desire that doesn't exactly match me, it improves the relationship outcome and it minimizes the level of sexual dissatisfaction that my partner might feel. Because remember what I said, remember that sexual dissatisfaction disproportionately contributes to relationship dissatisfaction. But if I am high in sexual communion, polyamorous call this compersion, um, where I, I feel a warm fuzzy when you are happy um, sexually or in a relationship with other people. So it, it, it now it, the thing about this, it doesn't it doesn't mean you have to be sexual with other people. It doesn't even mean you have to have the kind of sex that we are mismatched on. But if I don't judge you on it and if I accept it in you and if I get that happy feeling at the idea that you you could really experience that sort of sexual fulfillment, even if you can't. It makes it so that that relation, that that sexual dissatisfaction does not contribute to a high level of relationship dissatisfaction. In other words, it mitigates um, the potential negative effects of our sexual mismatch. The thing about this, and, and, and it's a little complicated to kind of think about, but this sexual communion effect, it only goes one way. If I am high in sexual communion, it improves the relationship and the sexual satisfaction feelings for you, my partner, but not for me, myself. The only way I can get that effect if we are in a, in a relationship where we mismatch sexually is if my partner is high in sexual communion.
So we have to give acceptance and respect and sexual love to each other in order to get it for ourselves. That's one of the things I really love about this, uh, about this research and, and this finding is that it's not something we take. It is something we give. And as we give to our partner, we hope that they give back. And that's how that's how relationship and sexual satisfaction and sexual communion works, that it is something we do together to make the relationship better for each other. Sexual communion is such a powerful tool uh, to use, use it as a tool um, because it's like a hack into this mm-hmm. idea that we have to be perfectly matched it's like, and I want to dive into that a little, that idea a little bit too, but, but yeah, it's highly unlikely we're going to just meet every ideal of, of our partner and for that to go both ways. So if we can take this approach and more importantly, understand our sexual ideals and then communicate these things with our partner, Hey, what can I do to make you more satisfied? And then that is mutually met on the other side, then Things are going to be, you know, a lot better. Uh, but, but with that in mind, do you think that there are incompatibilities or obviously there's going to be situations where people are closer in their ideals and it's going to be maybe a little bit easier or further apart? And, and what do you think about just as a relationship whole and taking sexuality as a part of that whole the the fundamental maybe differences between two people being too much or or just maybe not even too much but a real stress on the relationship no matter how much they're willing to dive into sexual communion with their partner so every relationship is different and um you know as a therapist what i focus on more is not so much the problem or the conflict. Instead, I focus on the resources and the skills that we can use to overcome that problem. Because for, you know, for some couples that don't have very good skills, they don't have good communication skills, they don't have good emotional management kind of uh, abilities, a small problem is going to be very, very challenging for them. So rather than trying to fix the problem, what I try and do is help them develop the skills to make that problem not not quite so significant. So I teach them how to, you know, use eye language to communicate their feelings as opposed to trying to tell their partner, you know, you made me jealous. Well, no, I felt jealous when you did this. That's a very different kind of statement and a very different perspective. So we start to build up those resources and the skills. So to be honest, I don't think that there is any insurmountable conflict or, or, or problem or mismatch over sexuality when we can help people approach it with a place of mutual respect, non-judgmental listening, um, uh, unconditional acceptance, and where we start to send the message, look, what we're, what we're talking about right now is not whether that kind of sexuality happens or not. What we're talking about is the fact that 
I accept and love you. I don't judge you for having this kind of sexual interest that doesn't quite match me. Because I know that there's lots and lots in our life where we do match. This one, frankly, oftentimes little place of mismatch is oftentimes overly uh, uh, influential in relationship satisfaction. So how can we pull that back? How can we, you know, most couples have sex, what, one to three times a week, if that, when they've been together for a while, they have more sex when they first start, you know, in their relationship. But why, it, it doesn't seem fair that that once a week thing should contribute so heavily to satisfaction with the relationship for the whole rest of the week. So how do we, how do we address that? And, and the message here is that we start accepting each other as different beings who are kind of coming together. And I, you know, it doesn't make me unhappy all week that you like salty foods and I like sweets. <laughs> Instead, when we're at dinner, right, I might look at the menu and say, oh, hey, did you see this? It looks like something you would really like. That's the kind of acceptance and mutuality and unconditional accept, uh, positive regard that we can give to each other around sexuality. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to go negotiating you going out and acting on it. There's lots and lots of shades of gray here where we can talk about role play, for instance. We can talk about fantasy. We can talk about, you know, private pornography use or, or, or masturbation to those fantasies. The key here is acceptance. That is the foundation on which a healthy sexual relationship is built. Let, let, it, let us create that foundation, and then we move forward on what, what sexuality kind of looks like. After, you know, 260 interviews, this is the first time I think we've heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chase, the, what you said about letting one day, one instance in a week ruin the whole relationship or the whole week. And I think that's just brilliant to think about because sometimes we just get caught up in our own mind and our own emotions and that we really forget the big picture and it becomes so much of a focus. So I love that you mentioned that. And I think it's really important for us and our listeners to, to really think about. Yeah. You know, the, Again, the funny thing and the unfortunate thing is that when we are sexually dissatisfied, when, when we feel like our sexual needs are not met, it, it does become something that we over-focus on mm -hmm. because it starts to become and starts to feel so important. But when we are accepted, when our partner, you know, says, uh, you know, gosh, you know, I... Um, um, I wish I liked, you know, doing this thing that you like so much. And um, uh, what if we talk about, you know, ways that, that we could increase that? Or what if we talk about, you know, um, what if we fantasize sometimes about you doing that um, with me? Um, then it starts to it starts to make it and that unhappiness much less important. Because, because you know what? Then we're not alone in it. When we are, when we are sexually dissatisfied, we feel alone and kind of desperate. 
But here we're talking about using this marriage, using this relationship as a partnership on um, on on this dissatisfaction, on this mismatch. You're not alone anymore. I know that um, you wish this could happen more, and 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 I'm sad, and I wish it could happen for you too. And I also want to highlight what you said about not focusing on the problem, focusing on the skills to solve it or work on it. And that's such a great perspective to take around sexuality or communication or really anything in a relationship. So thank you for that, David. And you've given us a lot of great things like that to think about today. Before we wrap up, David, is there anything that we skipped over or... Um, you forgot to mention or something you want to highlight for our listeners before we say goodbye? Um, just that, you know, your, your listeners can find me um, at, at davidlayphd.com. Um, and and I've, written, uh, I've written about this research um, in an article called Three Ways to Meet Your Partner's Sexual Ideals and Why You Should. Um, and, and it explores some of the other kind of nuances and details of this. I think that this model... Um, might revolutionize um, couples therapy around sexual mismatch um, in some really positive and healthy ways. Wonderful. We'll have the links to your website uh, and all your resources in the show notes and on our website at idpodcast.com. And thanks again for coming back on the show. We really enjoyed today's talk. I'm happy to. Thank you guys. And it's always lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show, guys. As always, the links will be in the podcast description as well as on the show notes on our website at idopodcast.com. And while you're on our website, we hope you guys check out our free 14-day happy couple challenge. Uh, It's a challenge where we send you a daily email for 14 days with easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And it's honestly just a whole lot of fun to do with your partner. It's something new and we think you guys will really enjoy it. So check it out. And while you're on the website, there are tons of free resources as well as more information about our online course, Spark My Relationship, where our listeners can get $100 off. So check that out. You can go directly to the course website at sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. And that's where you can get the $100 off. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next week. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com